everybody. Welcome back to another Wiser Wednesday. Uh, good to have you here. So we've got an awesome panelist today. We're talking about how purpose powers your startup. I'm James Potton. Um, believe in a world of entrepreneurial success without burnout. Um, uh, as I always say, I've got the, the charred t-shirt to sort of show it um, just. Um, and to get, today we're discuss, discussing purpose. And well, look, I mean, it's a tricky time and there may be some, you know, views out there as to, you know, is purpose the thing that we need to be focusing on right now when the lowest run of Maslow food shelter water is being threatened? Um, you know, and how do leaders handle that? Um, yeah. And look, you know, in, in my view, like purpose is a really interesting journey. And it's, you know, the, there's only sort of what, 10 inches between your head and your heart, but it's the longest journey humans will go on. Um, and I think that's something that hopefully comes through in our discussion today. Um, and what would you do if your team was more aligned? You know, what would what would happen if you could put that into the comments? That would be brilliant. Um, so look, I'm going to introduce the panelists. Um, first up, Robbie, your policy director of EcoSurity. Um, you do an amazing rendition of Blackbird. I unfortunately missed it the day that you came in with your guitar. Um, pretty sure you were topless too, based on the adoring fans you you earned that day. Um, but I've seen the video. It's uh, yeah, very good. So maybe later. Let's see if we've got any time at the end. Um, we work together and. Look, I mean, it was a it was a point when the business had been going maybe about um, it was about six years or something, and we hadn't really focused on purpose. And you joined at a time that you 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 almost came with this kind of you know purpose matters. So um, I'm really like excited to hear from you today. Eleven years later, you still continue to drive the vision forwards. So welcome, Robbie, uh, Isabel. I welcome your uh, founder of Purpose with Profit, um, and you've got a number of other strings to your bow. Um, you learned to swim when you were 49. Surely that's a future birthday. Um, you met the Dalai Lama twice, you chaperone David Craig at the BAFTAs, uh, you're also very early stage at Salesforce, uh, I think employee number four in the UK, and you really drove um, their sort of impact policy like globally, so welcome Isabel, really looking forward to hearing from you. Andy, founder of Business on Purpose, you're a trained beekeeper, um, you speak, and I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly, is it Kelsey? Maybe? South African language. So uh, like, yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Like, would like maybe we can hear a bit in a bit. Um, you set up um, a magical B, B Corp advisory, um, which we've actually been through your program. And it's a really like cost effective and in enjoyable group way to try and like go on that B Corp journey. So welcome, Andy. And finally, Nicole Gibson. So founder of um, uh, Love Out Loud. Um, you've got an author, you're author of the book of the same name. Um, you're calling in for Australia today, so you know I think it's 10 p.m. for you. Welcome. Um, oh, thanks for staying up. Uh, you're, you're the youngest Commonwealth Commissioner in history. Uh, you left school at 14 to be a rock star and still want to be a rock star, so watch out, Robbie. Um, you lived in the van for two years while facilitating over 1,500 workshops and 300 communities across rural Australia. So look, great to have you here, Nicole. So, so look, um, to set the mood, uh, bun fight is a fun night. So when you, if you want to join in, like obviously try not to talk over each other, but like respect that. But I love it when you kind of you can ask other questions if you want. Uh, no swearing, we're live, but passion is welcome. And uh, let's start with some quick intros from each of you. So uh, in less than a minute, I guess, Isabel, fire away. I saw it was Daniel Craig, I chaperoned at the BAFTAs, not David. Oh, what did I say? David Craig, that's quite different. Uh, Craig, well, David, like Craig David. Yeah, Daniel Craig, yeah. Pre and post Bond. Anyway, I'm using up my time. So my background, uh, I come from social impact, uh, Oxfam, 
11 years at Amnesty International, and I then went to Salesforce, as you mentioned, which was quite a leap, but it was a startup when I joined. I went to a party in San Francisco for uh, the 300th employee um, a couple of years after I joined. So I know people think of that as a massive monolithic company, but it was a startup. And that's when I started working with them on their social impact. Um, I now... Um, sit on the board of a tech company that I've been with since it floated, TPX Impact, which is a purpose-driven company. So from startup to floating, um, and they're a purpose-driven company, and I chair the ESG committee. Um, and then my own company, Profit with Purpose, um, I work with companies on their social impact strategy. So small companies, um, as well as large companies like Gucci and Experian, but I do the methodology is the same and what companies need to do is the same. Excellent. Okay. Thanks, Isabel. Um, Robbie, you're next. Yeah, so um, I uh, I suppose my potted highlights of my career is uh, really started at IKEA. So a very huge organization. Uh, we'll probably get into a little bit more about their purpose um, later on. Uh, but what I find myself in a company that was absolutely massive I kind of realized that I wanted to kind of make a difference and scale things back. So I joined uh, EcoSurity about 11 years ago now, uh, just as it was coming out of that startup phase and wrestling with what it was like to be a sort of mid-sized business. And there were lots of growing pains uh, back then. I started as an account manager um, and then now I'm on the board, one of the directors of the company, and I've seen it grow from sort of 20 odd employees to, to 70 now. Uh, and also, you know, turnover go from two million to probably going to be in uh, in sort of uh, 100 million plus, uh, I should imagine, this year. So really seeing mega growth in the company and uh, yeah, looking forward to getting right into purpose because it's something that sits uh, front and center for me. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, Robbie. Uh, Andy, you're next on my screen. Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, my name is Andy Hawkins, based in Bristol. Uh, I grew up mainly in uh, tech, but at age 40, we took a career break and headed out to Africa with the family. Uh, instead of staying for a year, we stayed for six years and worked in a township just outside of Cape Town called Somerset. So we went from Devon to Somerset, but it was a 10,000 mile trip. And that was where I learned to speak Corsa. Uh, so an X is an, a Q is a, and a C is a, so there's all sorts of clicks, which caused a lot of laughter and hilarity when we were speaking, especially as it was a white guy from England that was speaking it. A lot of my uh, black friends uh, just thought it was hilarious that I was having a go. So um, came back in uh, 2010 um, and got back into tech uh, subsequently in artificial intelligence software sales, set up my own tech consultancy two years ago, put that through B Corp. Some friends reached out and asked me for help. And uh, since then I've helped 200 clients on their B Corp journey. So that's me. Awesome, thanks Andy. Uh, Nicole. What a panel. Thank you, James. Uh, so my journey in, in purpose, I was an entrepreneur as soon as I could sign a contract, but definitely a very um, unconventional, I think foundation because uh, the first two years of my entrepreneurial journey I did in fact, live in my van and travel to remote communities, delivering um, not just workshops, but really holding spaces where um, I was inviting communities to come into a place of vulnerability and, and truth. And it might not be so contextually easy for, for you guys to understand, but remote Australia was not 
you know, the sort of warm environment that would uh, welcome those sorts of conversations easily. So I definitely um, had to have a sense of, of purpose greater than me, especially in the early days to pioneer those conversations. But um, through, I guess, the commitment of serving a purpose greater than myself um, that I really did feel called to do, um, I, I recognize that the power that has to really affect change and how one person really can be the um, be the the beginnings of, of a massive ripple. And since then, yeah, I went on to work as, as the youngest Commonwealth Commissioner advising the federal budget, uh, working beside the Prime Minister to do so because these interventions that I started out the back of my van did prove to be very cost-effective. Go figure, really just um, loving each other and listening to one another is free. Uh, it's a lot more cost-effective than a lot of the interventions they were exploring at the time. Um, and recognised, you know, the power of love. I really, I, I fell in love with looking at love as a system, compassion as a system, something that we can, um, something that we can deconstruct and put into actionable processes within our systems and so that's really what love out loud and um our tech arm in truth is is dedicated to to doing systemizing love amazing oh thanks well look really looking forward to him for you as well today nicole so um look starting off um i guess like to you robbie and we always used to joke about you know didn't you used to work for ikea he always wore the lanyard in every day around his neck so that's the but it was it was sparked it kind of sparked us into like thinking well maybe this is actually important because it was really important to you so what's it like to work in a purpose-led organization yeah it's it's a sort of strange one the ikea um background uh so for those of you who obviously won't know my story i, I effectively graduated was looking for a job had to go take a load of temporary jobs i was posting flyers about gas works through people's front doors i was waiting tables at black tie dues um I also took a job building furniture in an Ikea store, uh, literally for their bargain corner where they just mashed together all the broken stuff and, and tried to sell it on rather than putting it in the bin. And so that was where I started, whistled while I worked, uh, just doing what I consider to be uh, kind of Lego for adults. I know there is Lego for adults uh, too, but that was how I viewed it. And when I was doing that, all sorts of opportunities opened up to me because I was doing something that had meaning and purpose. I did a geography degree, I'm a passionate environmentalist, and I was doing something that was preventing this furniture from being put into the bin. So while I, I whistled while I worked, while other colleagues smirked and thought, this guy's got a degree, he's gone to university for three years and in however much debt, yet he's here singing while he's working, building furniture. They sort of just thought I was the oddball. And I think ultimately the reason was because um, I had some purpose and some meaning to my life and could see tangibly that instead of uh, a great big uh, skip of material going to landfill, we had products being sold and people having uh, people taking them home to enjoy. IKEA's vision, which I think has been sort of around since year dot, and I know it must be 20, 30 years old, is to create a better everyday life for the many people. It's ingrained in my mind. And that's because I was walking along thinking, I'm creating a better everyday life for the many people. Now, people, some of those in the kitchen area or the bathrooms area were thinking, I'm giving people nice bathrooms and that's making their life better. I didn't think like that. The purpose was so universal that I was thinking, 
the way I'm making everyone's life better is by us not having waste uh, piling up in landfill sites and having to be burnt and uh, leading to you know climate change, etc. So it's so strange that a furniture company, a huge, massive organization uh, like that, could possibly drive an environmentalist to think, hey, this is the right place for me for now. Eventually, I um, continued with my career journey at IKEA. Uh, I moved to a different store. I became what was called their sustainability specialist. I started to give training on uh, trying energy saving within the store so that we, we used uh, less energy. Um, I started putting balers into many of the different stores so that we could start to bale cardboard and plastics and sell them on so it could be recycled and become a value um, rather than a cost to the organization. So through my journey there, even though um, my colleagues then when I moved on to EcoSurity laughed about the lanyard, was always proud to have worked there because of the work that I did. And unfortunately, I had to, had to leave eventually to continue my journey. We can talk a little bit, bit about EcoSurity's purpose too. And the reason for that was the next stage in my career journey at IKEA was to go and start selling kitchens and be the manager of the kitchens department. I wasn't there to sell kitchens. I was there to make a better everyday life for the many people. But the way that I was doing that didn't match with the job roles that were on offer. So I left mm. that organization and I, I moved on to EcoSurity. Yeah, so it's super interesting, Robbie. It's like the it, there's like a unifying message at the top that 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 means something different to different people within the organization. Um, maybe, uh, yeah, Isabel, have you got thoughts on this? Because I know you 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 know your business is called Purpose. You know, has purpose and profit in the title, right? So profit with purpose. That yeah, way. thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think this is a really interesting panel because it actually brings together. Um, or as representative of the different entry points to purpose. So through, you know, compassion and caring and love, um, and then through sort of being bigger, part of something bigger than yourself, which Nicole spoke about, but then also through the work that Andy does, so through certification, um, and then, you know, some of what Robbie does, sort of metrics and compliance, there are all these different entry points. Um, everyone lands in that middle ground of, you know, we want to be a more purposeful business. Those, you know, being profitable and being purposeful are not exclusive, mutually exclusive. People come to it from different points, but the, the sort of stopping point for a lot of SMEs or startups is how do we actually do this? What do we actually do to act on what I either care about or what I feel I need to do to be compliant um you know and I, I think that's and we know that profitability does come from being purposeful it means that employees come and work for you because they you align with their values and you treat them well you know that's on the the caring side but it also means that you attract customers who've got values that align with yours and you can see that um, you know, you're buying from a, a company, a well-run company that aligns with your values, probably sort of like um, IKEA. And then one of the things that struck me when I joined TPX Impact, the founder, uh, Neil Gandhi, is a serial entrepreneur. And um, he was starting tech companies. They were kind of quite hard-nosed companies by his own sort of uh, admission. And when he started thinking about 
the purpose of the companies he was starting. He said those were the easiest companies that I'd started because there was a clarity of direction, that everyone was looking in the same direction. Everyone knew what it was that they were trying to achieve, where we were going. And that enabled us all to go along in that same direction and grow more quickly and be more quickly successful. Um, yeah. So I think I'll stop there. But those are sort of thoughts from what I've heard so far. Yeah, no, amazing. Yeah. And that sort of, you know, the concept of the, getting everyone on the bus, the right people on the bus, right people on the seats on the bus, but also everyone like looking in the same direction. Like, you know, it's 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 so it, and it's very it's actually really hard to do all of the, you know. Sounds easy about getting someone, get people on the bus, but it's really hard to do in an organisation. Um, Nicole, do you have any sort of thoughts on you're, you're leading a very purposeful business now? You know, what does that feel like? What does it feel like? Uh, a thousand different things a day. <laughs> um, you know, I I find um, I'm specifically very passionate about team alignment. Part of the technology we're developing is um, creating pathway of communication between the conscious and subconscious minds to measure belief systems in an accurate way. And so one of the really um, clear use cases for us is supporting organizations to actually measure the internal congruence and alignment of team members against things like values, KPIs, the vision of the company. And what so many people don't realize um, and what we make a point at Love Out Loud in, in talking a lot about and doing a lot of development in is 90% of us is subconscious. So when you know a, a large team of people start to form, there might be this conscious sort of agreement that, yeah, we're, we're on the same page, we believe in the same things, but these are you know potentially thousands, tens of thousands of individuals that have different life experiences with conflicting belief systems and, and getting... Um, those aspects, those unknown aspects of us all on the same page so that we can really, I guess, leverage the true potential of having a collective team moving in the one direction. Um, that's a, it's a very deep conversation. I mean, how deep do you want to go down the rabbit hole? I, I think <laughs> well, I wrote down young, <laughs> I, I, I remember, I think he, he talked about the cork bobbing on the ocean. The cork is your conscious and the ocean is the subconscious. So yeah, I wrote down archetypes. It's a, it could be a very different <laughs> conversation. It might be a fireside chat, but I, I actually believe that this is all relevant. Um, and it's, yeah, like, but, and and it's amazing because you're, you, you know, you know, you're creating a team of people that all believe in in this and uh, and want to make a, a a change as a result. So yeah, so yeah, let's let's get into it a bit. Maybe a little bit later. Let's. <laughs> um, Andy, what's what's your thoughts? You, you know, you said you've got helped two hundred companies now. You know, what what do you see? What sort of transition do you see? It, it we're we're on, we're on that journey. We're not there yet, but you know, it's really helped us in our thinking. So far away. Oh, you're on that. You're on mute. Yeah, first of all, um, for me personally, you know, I feel absolutely in my sweet spot right now. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm doing what I was created to do. I'm in my ikigai. If you've come across ikigai, I'm in the middle of my ikigai and uh, feel very privileged to uh, be doing something that the world wants and that I can get paid for and is within my skill set. So it all feels uh, all feels great. Um, what's also great is helping other businesses move towards you know their sweet spot in terms of what makes them feel happy and what makes them feel as if they're making a contribution to the world not just from a financial perspective and we've got a certain number of employees and therefore we're creating jobs but we're doing that in a way that is impactful and and supports those people 
in a wide range of different metrics and supports the, pl the planet uh, and is not um, extractive, but is hopefully uh, moving towards a, a circular economy. And a lot of businesses have just frankly never thought about it before. I, I speak to hundreds of people and one of my first questions is, do you think you run an ethical business? And of course, they all say, you know, to a person, yes, of course I do. Um, cheeky thing. And then uh, when I say, well, how do you know that you run an ethical business? How do you measure what you're doing in terms of people and planet? And, and how do you compare with your peers? At that stage, those same people generally start to stutter and say, well, I don't really know the answer to that in truth. And therefore, helping them go through the B impact assessment, when a cheeky chappy comes along subsequently and asks them that question, they can say, well, this is what I'm doing to measure it. And this is how I know this. And this is how I know that. And it's a great way of, of answering that specifically. And more than anything else, the one word that comes out at the end of the program when we uh, take people through the impact assessment is educational. They find that it's been a hugely educational business. And the majority of them are all very kind of purposeful businesses, good people at the beginning of the journey. We're not taking, you know, a, a dreadful, uh, horrible uh, company or person through the process. They're all good people, but they've all learned uh, huge amounts when they've gone through that impact assessment. I know, Robbie, at EcoSurity, you know, you, were, you said, you know, you're 70 percent good and you've kind of just learned other things to kind of bolt on around the side and help yourself become better. And that's really what we're trying to do is help businesses to become better, fitter, stronger, healthier, and more purposeful. Amazing. Thanks, Andy. Uh, Isabel. Can I chip in there on the back of that? Because it's so perfect to a point that I quite often say to clients is that you need to start with the strategy, not the tactics. So a lot of companies start you know, no, no one starts a company thinking they want to maximize profit. Everyone starts a company because they think that they're doing something that serves a purpose for people or the planet. Um, but they never articulate what that purpose is. And then they get focused on the profit. And then they go and add like a volunteer program or something. And that volunteer program is never going to really work unless you know why you're doing it. So where I often start with clients is like to articulate what their North Star is. So that is their objective for the company, which is what they want to do to make profit, but also how it encompasses their purpose. And then everything flows from that. And I find sort of like Andy's saying with, with business owners, they probably have already thought of it, but they've never articulated it. And it is a education and a relief often when they end up with this articulated North Star that everyone can align to and then they can deliver with metrics and KPIs and helps them to be a more rounded, purposeful business. It's just they articulate that on the revenue side, not on the purpose side. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of leads in is about to the, the next part of this, which is it's not like the news you know cnn's constantly negative news it's not like we don't live in this sort of fear state anyway if you allow news into your life but you know there's certainly um it's, it's becoming a more bleak message so what what can you like that that has a potential to push 
business owners towards focusing on you know profitability um and maybe forgetting about like some of the pledges or the values like things drop as a result of of fear um what what would you say to those businesses to me Mm. oh well it's the opposite (laughs) that people you know companies need to find what's going to differentiate them for employees and for customers And I think people increasingly want to work with companies that clearly align with their values. Um, And one of the clients I'm working with at the moment, that's a small company um, doing its B Corp application at the moment, they're in Bristol, (laughs) like Andy is. Um, This is part of their post-pandemic recovery, which is, you know, it's really clear that they're coming back to profitability But the next stage of that and to consolidate that is to really hone down what their purpose beyond profit is, what they're offering to their customers and their employees are. Um, And, you know, that's come from the CEO having spent more time at home during the pandemic of his business nearly collapsing and him coming back out fighting and thinking, how do we make this right and their business has some clear adjacencies to climate change and community development and he's determined that that's going to be part of their offering going forward so it's a really clear you know for me it's a really clear winner um and a time when people are suffering you need to think around you of what can we do to help benefit others um mm-hmm. And not just, you know, how how do you make profit? You've got resources as a company that you can apply without being expensive um, to to support the world and other people. Mm. Great, um, Nicole. What 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 are your thoughts with this? You know, uh, your your very like purpose of your business is to shift from fear to to love. <laughs> what advice would you give? It was interesting because we we definitely experienced a growth phase at the beginning of the pandemic. And, you know, to deconstruct that, I I do believe it was because what we were leading with was um, quite a relevant message that that served a lot of value. Um, And although we had been, you know, speaking to that message for many years prior um, at that particular time, because the world was so struck by fear and uncertainty and anxiety, um, there was a, I think, a, an amplified need for that message, and what that speaks to is um, Isabel's point. You know, when when you're focused on that as a business, what is the true um, problem we're solving every day, and how does that have contextual relevance to what's happening globally, uh, happening in the lives of individuals? There's there's always going to be a business model in in that, and I think um, you know, especially for for startup founders and and teams. Um, as hard as it is, seeing these seeing these times as opportunity and then having that hunger, you know, that that Isabel was referring to in, in the the CEO example, is um, so important. You know that there's adversity right now that we can grow through. Some of the biggest companies in the world were built during recession, and I think it's the nature of an entrepreneur to turn adversity in and challenge into opportunity, um, and so flip that on its head and when the whole world is seeing fear how can you see um how can you see love how can you see opportunity how can you see uh, um an invitation to extend yourself to serve in a way that you've never served before 
Um, and that really, you know, is the biggest um, unique selling point, I think, of any company is, is that courage, that bravery, especially as our consumer um, behavior shifts as a world, I think people are becoming more conscious mm. of, of what they support. Um, and it is based on value. And one of the things we do within Love Out Loud as a community and movement is study a lot about the nature of, of developing communities and what communities of the future are going to look like. Um, and this has already been the case, but I think it will become even more the case as we move um, more into things like Web3, so on, that organizations um, and their subsequent consumers are going to be the tribes, the communities of, of the future. Mm. So looking at how to serve th them is, um, I think, paramount. And, you know, you probably, you know, I don't think you're going to survive as a company unless you start asking these questions. Mm. Um, so. Yeah. Okay. No, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's another, it's a, another discussion around, you know web3 and where everything's <clears throat> going as well and uh, maybe we look at some trends towards the end uh, R robbie do you do you have thoughts on this you're you're probably seeing yeah date dates you know potentially data on like what cost of living impact and so on are you you if you've got thoughts on this at the moment do you you know you advise government as well on on this piece yeah we're, we're certainly seeing belt tightening um you know our customers are fmcg companies and you know, lots. Some of those are, are sort of uh, necessities, and some of those are luxury goods that people cut down on. And so, you know, recession has an impact, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively. Um, I think from the government standpoint, also, you know, that they're trying to continue with growth. You know, so uh, in that context, um, it's easy to start sort of wondering, you know, where where is it all heading? But I think you know, it's a contradiction quite, almost, and, and it, it, yeah, totally. And but to quote uh, the great philosopher Yoda, fear is the path to the dark side. You know, because yeah. ultimately, if your your company is ruled by fear of failure, ruled by fear that their economic conditions are not right for you to succeed, ruled by the fear that purpose is something that you get at the top of Maslow's and not something that you need to start thinking about at the beginning when you start your business, then ultimately you are on the path to the dark side. And I, I think really that is the fundamental thing. And so when you're thinking about growing your business, regardless of the economic conditions, you need to be thinking about how do I put good teams in place and retain those people? Because I, I was lucky enough to work in a company a few different times where the purpose was given to me. I'm also very fortunate now that I can help to build the purpose and drive it. But there was a time when the purpose was just sort of bestowed upon me and it either matched my values or it didn't. And what that meant is it gave meaning to the, to the inordinate amount of time that I spent in work. It put a smile on my face. The days went fast. I wanted to go to work. You know, these are things that people are going to want regardless of whether their backs are to the wall and they're just trying to make ends meet to put a roof over the head or not. So sometimes that Maslow's hierarchy is actually quite unhelpful in thinking about you've got to lock down these things before you move on to the next stage. I, 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 the theory is true, but when it comes to starting a business, if you're not putting why bother at the beginning, then you may as well shut up shop now. Yeah, great, thanks. Yeah, completely agree, Robbie. Um, and Andy, uh, you're welcome to sort of comment on on um, you know 
where, where we're at but also look what what can leaders do you know, what are some of the pathways that leaders could take to um to go on a more purposeful journey well um you know another well-known uh, philosopher is uh, our friend simon sinek and his start with why you know and that's a good place uh, to start I, I think that that's uh, the case and uh, i've been watching sas rogue heroes and uh, they've just got to uh, who dares wins when they came up with their with their motto and i guess that's the uh, opposite of uh, fear is the uh, pathway to the darkness so um yeah i think we i i'm an i'm an eternal optimist you know i love uh, to believe in in hope i love to believe in love i love to be uh, believe in doing the right thing and i believe that that is intrinsic within all of us as humans ultimately and even though when you listen to your cnn and other news feeds are available uh, you wouldn't necessarily believe it but I do, do believe that that's in all of us. And, and doing that within a business is a great thing to do. So a lot of businesses that I spoke to that were, you know, post-Brexit, uh, post-COVID, you know, wanting to build back better. There was a lot of noise around, you know, build back better and we want to do this. And people had been off during COVID and had had an epiphany or a degree of introspection on what life was all about. But a lot of them I spoke to didn't necessarily then know, well, what are some practical steps that I can now take to move myself in that more purposeful direction? And I think uh, that the uh, B Impact Assessment is just a great uh, framework tool. It's a free framework that anyone can work through see where they're at, uh, celebrate the successes, spot the gaps, do something to improve those gaps and become more robust and uh, you know measure and mitigate and manage that risk um, and just make themselves a better, fitter, stronger, healthier company. So that as a toolkit is just a really practical uh, way of helping people to improve. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, something that's available to businesses of any size uh, you know the largest business i've worked with has been uh, several billion 10,000 people strong right the way down to the smallest which has been pre startup you know single person pre startup here's an idea this is something that i've got an idea about how do i actually move that forward and and for them going through the impact assessment really does start to fill out some of the gaps in terms of the direction of travel they want to go go in and how they get there in a meaningful and purposeful way. So that as a practical toolkit has been a really uh, simple and effective thing to use. Mm. Can I add something? Yeah, yeah. Um, just that startups are so well positioned to do that um, because you're, you can do it from the outset. So to like, you know, what Robbie said, so Salesforce did it from the outset. Um, that was part of the whole proposition of Salesforce. It was a move to the cloud, a new type of technology. And what Mark Benioff said was um, a, a new type of philanthropy. So embedded in the company from the very outset. Um, and that's now, what, $150 billion company. So it did them no harm to do that from the outset and to commit they do the 1%, so one, what they're used to, 1% of pre-IPO equity, 1% of time and 1% of product, which really sort of, um, it works with the B Corp as well. It sort of uh, really resonates with people to put a tangible, what do I do? You know, so think about giving 1% of 
things that you've got from the outset and that grows then as you grow and then my other thing it's sort of on the collaboration thing is you know don't and where when you do it in your business don't start don't wait until you've made your first million or billion but also don't do that my most hated phrase of uh giving back or give give back because <laughs> you shouldn't be taking it in the first place if you need to give it back and really you should always be thinking about partnership and collaboration the whole way through not make the money and then do something to make up for it afterwards and startups are the best positioned companies to do that yeah thanks as well yeah it's, it's interesting <laughs> Yeah, but it does depend on where someone is on their their journey. But you have to sometimes meet people where they're at, don't you? And it's a really difficult. Um, I, I've come up against this, you know, work with with business leaders of like quite quite small like businesses around sort of three to five people. Um, you know, maybe a quarter of a mil turnover or whatever. Um, and they and sometimes. I secretly, once they're on the program with me, the second lesson is about getting your North Star, getting your vision, like seeing if you can align to UN SDGs. I had to sort of take it out of some of my marketing at the front because it didn't always resonate with people. Um, and, and it's kind of like disappointing, but at the same time, yeah, I sort of feel that there is, they soon understand why I think it's so important. And look, you know, why Robbie's, yeah, the, the the journey Robin and I went on is like this really really works now like a hundred mil turnover business that wouldn't wouldn't have got there without a purpose so but it's really hard Robin yeah far away yeah, yeah. well I, I think just coming in on that it's talking about the impact that it then had on the customer because ultimately yes it did help us retain great people yes it did bind the team together in a common vision and purpose. And to get going on the journey and to love being in, you know, in the trenches together, so to speak. But actually what happened is when we turned it, ex turned it out externally and say, look, the reason we're here talking to you today is because we're trying to passionately protect the environment. We'll probably sell you some stuff that helped to do that thing or comply with a pretty mundane and boring law uh, that the government put in that's very complicated and frustrating for you to sort of get your head around. But if you start with the, oh, it's a headache, all of this stuff, you uh, you know, trying to count the beans is really tough in environmental legislation terms, you're not actually gonna sell anything to anyone because it's like you're, you're trying to create the problem to then solve the problem rather than walk in with a much more open-hearted approach that is, this is why we bother to get up in the morning this is why I've, you know, sat on a train for four hours to get halfway across the country to come and have this hour long meeting with new prospective client. Because as, as soon as you start talking about why you're there and coming back to Andy's comments about Simon Sinek's uh, golden circle, then it totally changes the interaction that you have with the customer. And I think when it, and that's why that purpose is so important is that lots of it is trying to lots of people try to focus too much on specificity and they try and make it like an elevator pitch or something that perfectly describes their business or what they do or um, uh, bits of how they do what they do 
and they don't really think why are they bothering to do that thing so quite often when i'm having these discussions externally you know in advisory capacities with other people um i notice that there is this tend the tendency that they don't go for the sort of universality of the english language where you can start to convey something that everyone can attach something onto you know they can find their own meaning in it whether it be clients or whether it be um your employees or whether it be yourself internally what it means to you so i think i i, I wouldn't put too much pressure on uh you know the the stgs and all these kind of external factors but rather think about how can i be authentic to create this statement that's the reason that i then go on and do these things and and definitely agree with andy that simon sinek's uh, golden circles is a great place to start with it as as sort of you know one on one that's what we did james i remember you showing it to me all those years <laughs> many many years ago and yeah. it genuinely uh, was the starting point of totally transforming and growing a business yeah we did come up against the 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 we knew where we wanted to be but we came up against some incongruence early on so it was interesting but it but we we moved to where we wanted to be we set the vision we knew we were here and then we we shifted so that's quite interesting because it it doesn't make you know it's a journey you set you set out at a point and you're trying to get you know nicole is that something that you you know when you work with people how do you how do you help people on the journey um and to some extent how do you meet them where they're at with 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 what you do yeah i mean there there's some basic principles right and and the first is one and the other making two choices which i think we've all alluded to in our own way love or fear and so um because i think you know especially in the startup journey building a team growing a mission all of the decisions you need to make you know it's it's easy i think to get lost in amongst the tens of thousands of decisions that are being made um bringing it back to you know just that um gives this clarity and this pathway of are you expansive are you unified are you creative altruistic all these kind of symptoms of of love and openness or are you contracted judgmental is there division within your team you know are you are you limiting the possibility that's that's actually here through your thinking so i think that foundational awareness is is really important because i think especially the startup environment like it was shocking for me to meet that community for the first time and realize wow these these dudes are actually the most sort of uh cynical and fearful and yet they're the ones meant to be driving you know the 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 future of innovation and and most of them are citing these stats around 9 out of 10 startups fail and and this and that when we can be adopting this mindset of well we're on a journey you know and part of the journey is to learn how to equip ourselves effectively for that journey um to be agile flexible you know able to 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 pivot um and innovate when necessary um identify you know where there's going to be limitations and blocks and work through that because that's a part of the growth i think you can't fake a willingness i really do like my work with people has taught me again and again that's the one thing you really can't teach people you can't teach them to be willing and i think in the long run the founders um the teams that are going to to really make it past the threshold of those challenges are the ones that have a true sense of willingness to be on that journey and it is intrinsic 
I think there's so much personal development where when I've um, led trainings, one of the things I'll always say is um, there's really no such thing as professional development. There's just personal development in a, in a professional context because it, it, it comes back to who you are as a person, how you respond to situations, how you um, embrace what's in front of you when it's uncomfortable, when it is hard, you know, when there's a conflict, uh, who are you in those moments? What excites me on a personal level is who I get to become. And I think that that's in my case and, and the founders that I feel share that same um, drive that we're driven fundamentally by who we get to become on the journey and everything else is, is an overflow of that. Um, sharing becomes natural with your team. And I think modeling becomes natural when you have that beginner's mindset, but you're also kind of visionary, you're willing to be wrong, but you're also, you know, clear and decisive because you know who you are. There's a, there's a beautiful um, sweet spot in that, that I would love to see more business owners embrace in a culture that I think is becoming more and more and more obsessed with being right. Uh, we lose so much in, in the process of adopting that kind of culture. Yeah. No, that's amazing. It reminds me of, um, you know, say you don't have uh, business problems, you have personal problems showing up in your business. You know, it's that type of thing. You need to like look after yourself, you know, <laughs> you know, what you put into your body, like the, the fitness, whatever, all those sorts of things, it really matters. You know, it's all part of the journey. Um, is there almost, I've never seen it so, I saw it really starkly. I went out to Togo with um, a charity called Deki and we saw like the impact of the sort of p the patriarchy and 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 basically Decky tries to get the money into the hands of the, the mothers because they spend the money on on on, on the kids and um, um the fathers may not if they have like a number of kids so it's um and but you know us it mirrors our, our society so how do you it's almost a more like bringing the more feminine like mindset into to business how how do we you know that's hell of a a journey isn't it to to go on yeah i think that at the end of the day though you know if you see it through the frame of masculine and feminine it, it's just um a model that communicates balance ultimately like in an eastern culture it'll be referred to as you know yin and yang um but i think that the true the true message in the middle of that is centeredness balance and um that comes back to the virtue i think of knowing yourself because uh, there's a time for masculinity. There's a time for um, deep assertiveness, decisiveness, conviction, um, you know, that killer instinct that's going to drive forward. If, if a company is void of that, it's not going to progress. But when, when there's an imbalance and then that's the only energy driving the, the car or, you know, the ship and there isn't um, patience, and um compassion and space and inclusivity then you know the the, the business is gonna have some issues and and so is the um the effect it has on the world but balance i mean it's the most cliche thing to say we have to achieve balance internally first um and there's way too many instances where you you see ceos um high performing c-suite execs founders who are just so not balanced <laughs> internally. Like when I was um, on, on the commission, uh, it, it really used to 
blow my mind that I would often be sitting in boardrooms with people that were responsible for the distribution of billions of dollars that affected tens of millions of Australians and they were in artificial light 16 hours a day, slept two hours a night, you know, drinking coffee all day, processed sugars, and just, you know, like I'm a bit of a, a fanatic about my routine and health and my inner peace and centeredness. So I used to look at this and just be like, there's no way just on a physiological level, you're going to be able to make balanced decisions. You're not, you're not balanced. So, you know, you, I, what, what you create is where you create from. Um, that internal state uh, I think is is number one and I would say to any person that feels they have a big mission to serve on the planet go on that journey first I think what was really special about my experience early on in my entrepreneurial journey is I really in in many ways kind of let go of everything material I owned a $3,000 van and a couple of pairs of clothes and my focus every day was serving, 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 serving. And so I came out of that realizing that nothing else really is the core, you know. It's not that nothing else matters, but everything else is an extension of finding what's really true, that thing you would do for free, you know, Um, that thing you would do because it brings you the most joy when you find that sweet spot. You will, I believe, um, achieve huge amounts of prosperity and abundance if you see it through and you remain committed and devoted and you'll bring an amazing team, no doubt, on that journey with you. Um, But that's a byproduct of of finding that that inner state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, amazing. Yeah, does anyone want to jump in with any thoughts on the back of that? I think um, it's you kind of said it earlier. It's about meeting people where they are on that journey. Um, and for us, when we go to meet a new client, you know, you do quickly assess whether you're going to put your kind of profit foot forward or your purpose foot forward first um, and ease them into, you know, that. And I think with some of the business leaders we've worked with in you know, more traditional, larger companies, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear of, you know, your stock price going down because you're doing something that others in your sector are not doing, that you're putting your head above the parapet. There's fear of um, something new coming into your business that you don't know about um, and that you're not equipped to sort of really deal with. And I think then that's our approach as consultants is to have compassion for that, really, rather than, you know, I think a lot of people think when you're coming in to do consulting around purpose that there's going to be a lot of finger pointing. Um, And there's none of that. It's let's find out where you are. Let's make you understand this and make you look good. You know, that is our greatest (laughs) task as a consultant is to help people to do their best work and make them look good. And, um, you know, if we can do that kindly with compassion, education, all the things we've been talking about, then that will come through as being authentic and it will actually get implemented and be meaningful for that company rather than you know we had that bit of consulting done on the side and it never gets implemented yeah 
Amazing. Um, Andy, do you um, do you have any thoughts on how leaders can involve their team in, you know, working or or trying to, you know, delve into what uh, the, the purpose could be within their organisation? Yeah, I think uh, you know, be, be, being a leader and leading from 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 the front to a certain extent and 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 leading by example is a great way of doing it. But I also think fundamentally that the best best way of being a leader is to ultimately be a is a, is a servant leader, and uh, you know, you your main priority and your main focus is to serve those around you, to serve your community, to serve your company not be the big I am and expect everyone else to follow. And there are you know, many, many examples of the world's best leaders being servant leaders. So that would be the, uh, the position that I'd try and adopt or encourage people to adopt is one of uh, humility and one of uh, learning from and engaging with the rest of their team. Um, I think what Nicole said, you know, you need to do that from a position where you've uh, got that to a certain extent sorted yourself. I don't think any of us have ever truly cracked it and have ever truly arrived at where we really need to be, which is an encouraging thing because there's always more that we can be doing, which is which is a great thing to strive for. But I think, um, you know, having that place of of, of balance um, uh, is, is, is where you need to where you need to go. And as a leader, you need to uh, live that and be, you know, the most bright shining example of that and then encourage others to do likewise. But doing it from a position of uh, serving and loving and caring is uh, is the right place to come from. Brilliant, thanks, thanks, Andy. Um, Robbie, have you got any thoughts on how to yeah, develop well, it? Yeah, I was pon pondering that, sort of uh, trying to think back what, what uh, uh, another Star Wars reference, what Jedi mind tricks you used on me once, uh, <laughs> James, because it was something that you uh, engaged me in. You know, I remember being that employee who was like a year or two into their career, sort of knew what I was about and why I was happy and what career I was marching in. But then when you turned around to me and you asked me, why are you here? Why do you bother working for this company? Uh, what brought you to work today? What's important to you? What do you like about this mission? What do you even think the mission is? As soon as you started asking me those questions, it was it was mega orcs, I can tell you that. <laughs> was like, I mean, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm able to, uh, you want me to shoot from the hip on those, James? Give me a little bit of time. <laughs> but actually, what once provoked, you know, even someone as relatively junior in the company as I was at that time, you know, eight, nine years ago, I was sort of, you know, one rung up from a graduate job, effectively, really. Um, being provoked to think about it was all that it took. And then suddenly... Um, I, I'm, I'm hearing from the founders, you know, the co-founders, yourself and Steve, you're giving feedback saying, hey, Robbie's helping to drive the mission forward. I'm like, am I? I mean, he just asked me a couple of questions and I said, this is why I bother turning up. And, and, and to put it simply, so, so all of that is uh, sometimes a little bit intangible, those conversations. To put it simply, you could have turned up to work to count the beans of environmental compliance. You could have thought that basically your job is to be an accountant for environmental stuff. I don't want to be an accountant. I would have gone and become an accountant. <laughs> I was there 
because the whole purpose of the industry was to increase the amount of recycling that happens in the UK. Very simple, actually quite humble, because we're not going to recycle our way out of all of the world's problems. But for what it was worth, that was why I bothered to turn up. And it was the same mission that I had when I was at IKEA. So my advice to the founder, if you have a team already around you or you have advisors around you, um, if you're you know, a sole employee at the moment, ask the question, why are we doing this? And uh, you'll be really surprised with some of the results and the feedback you get, because it isn't something that you just create on your own and say, we're going over here, guys. Anyone want to come with me? It's not as simple as that, even in the early stages when there's very few employees. Awesome. Thanks, Robin. On, on compliance, I'm just going to play the devil's advocate here. But, you know, it serves me well sometimes saying this to people. They actually don't have to care. There's increasing compliance coming. There's, you know, if that's your starting point, but also things like the social value portal here in the UK, um, you know, and the national TOMS, where you have to do this stuff in order to win work increasingly with the public sector. So in that context, I don't care if you care, you have to do it. Similarly with environmental reporting, um, you know, less so on the social side, you have to do it. So um, if that's your starting point, if that gets you to the place of, of incorporating this into your company and the core of what you do, fine. You know, probably along the way you will start to care, but in some ways, you no longer need to awesome. just to play the devil's advocate <laughs> yeah no look it's yeah that it's exactly right so there's there's it it it's weird it's a, it's about setting like a you know a stake out in the sand and then it, it 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 takes on a life of its own the key thing is it's 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 trying to it's it's almost asking the question as a starting point. It's just start with a question. So, which leads us on to the final bit. So we've got to we've got to wrap up. So, my final question to each of you um, is: you know, what advice would you give to uh, um, a startup leader in, in less than twenty words on how to begin their purposeful journey? Um, start with Andy. Far away. I get them to go through the B impact assessment. <laughs> Perfect. Robbie. Google the golden circle by Simon Sinek and then ask the people around you why they're turning up to work. Awesome. Thank you. Isabel. Um, set your North Star, set some metrics and then celebrate progress through your metrics towards your North Star. Awesome. Thanks, Isabel. Nicole. Mm, your purpose you don't find your purpose your purpose finds you um and focus more on surrendering than um than gaining awesome thanks so much okay look so there you have it um purpose helps magnetize great people to want to join your cause um and it you know it doesn't hinder growth it drives it so fear is the path to the dark side <laughs> Great quote. There's a few in here today. Um, and look, I hope you enjoy it, enjoyed it as much as I have. It's a there's there's so many layers to this. It's probably something that's worth, you know, listening to or watching back a couple of times. Um, 
And, you know, it's always the journey of a thousand miles is the first step. So just begin the journey and start like the discussion within your team. Um, next Wise Wednesday will be on how to make next year the best yet. So tune in. Um, I, I'm sure these guys are all happy for you to reach out via LinkedIn or um, if you want to get in touch. Um, thank you so much to the panelists today. Um, thank you to everyone for listening. I uh, hope you feel slightly wiser this Wednesday. Thank you. And thank you, everyone. Cheers. Thank you so Bye much. Bye. Yeah. Bye-bye.